Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Friday, April 17th. I am Kyle Hillier. There's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Rockstar is working on a new GTA and improving its work environment, according to a report. Gamescom and Oculus Connect are both going digital as a result of COVID-19. Cyberpunk 2077 is teasing maybe a special edition Xbox One console. And Ninjala is getting an open beta. Rockstar is working on the next Grand Theft Auto and making cultural changes to address crunch, according to a recent report from Kotaku. Now, former Kotaku writer, as of yesterday, Jason Schreier, posted perhaps his final story to the website on Wednesday, all about crunch culture at Rockstar and how the wider company is making genuine efforts to address and dissuade it. Crunch is a practice the video game industry is notorious for, where near the end of a large project like Red Dead Redemption 2, for example, employees work incredible amounts of overtime in order to deliver a final product on time. Rockstar was heavily criticized for this practice when Red Dead Redemption 2 was nearing launch, and Rockstar co-founder Dan Hauser said he and his writing team were working 100-hour weeks to finish up the game. Since that time, however, things have apparently improved, according to Schreier's story, which spoke with multiple Rockstar developers about the changes that are being implemented. Over time, that was previously required in certain branches of Rockstar offices is now optional. Employees have more options in terms of setting their own schedules. And during this time, when many Rockstar employees are working from home, the company is apparently being very explicit and its encouragement toward making sure employees are focused on staying healthy and not feeling the need to be working constantly. It all sounds like positive steps for the company, but this is also a time at the developer where it is not sprinting to get a game out the door, which led to a very interesting paragraph in Schreier's story, which reads, One plan that management has laid out for the next game, a new entry in the Grand Theft Auto series, is to start out with a moderately sized release, which by Rockstar's standards would still be a large game, that is then expanded with regular updates over time, which may help mitigate stress and crunch. This potentially confirms what has been a safe assumption since the release of Red Dead Redemption 2, that a new Grand Theft Auto entry is up next for the studio, but I think the really interesting idea here is scaling back a little bit, at least for its initial release. I really love single-player Rockstar campaigns, and part of what works so well about them is, admittedly, their length. By the end of Red Dead Redemption 2, I felt like I had lived a full cowboy life, but I would not be disappointed to play a shorter campaign with the option to expand the story in the future. I really like Grand Theft Auto 4's DLC campaigns, and I'm still sad that Grand Theft Auto 5 never saw comparable single-player expansions as Rockstar went all-in on Grand Theft Auto Online. I'm still hoping Red Dead Redemption 2 sees some kind of single-player add-on content, 
The original Red Dead Redemption's Undead Nightmare edition was strange, but fantastic, and I would love to see something similar for Red Dead Redemption 2. In any case, I like the idea here, shorter Grand Theft Auto campaign, which will still be big because I don't think Rockstar can do anything small with more expansions over time. I would be all about that model. Gamescom will take place digitally later this year. As shows like E3 and PAX, gaming tournaments, and other various video game-related gatherings and events have been canceled one after another, Gamescom has been the holdout, sharing statements that basically said, we're prepared to cancel the August event if necessary, but we're not canceled yet. That is, until now. On Wednesday, the official at Gamescom Twitter account tweeted, Even though not all details are known at present, the nationwide ban on major events until the end of August will also affect the planning for Gamescom 2020. Furthermore, Gamescom 2020 will definitely take place digitally. We will provide further information shortly, and then, as promised yesterday morning, it provided further information with a tweet that read, It's official. Unfortunately, Gamescom will under no circumstances take place on-site in Cologne this year. Just like many of you, we are disappointed because as the Gamescom team, we have been working on a wonderful Gamescom 2020 for months, just like the many exhibitors. However, it is also quite clear to us that in the face of the corona pandemic, we must stand united. This means that we must all be considerate of each other and reduce the risk of infection. We are, however, already working at full speed on a digital Gamescom. It is, after all, the world's biggest event for games, and that's what it should be again this year. You can already look forward to how we will celebrate the best games and Gamescom together with you and millions of gamers worldwide at the end of August, even if it will be digital and not on location this time. Because one thing is certain, this year too, Gamescom is and will remain the heart of gaming. I don't know that I've ever heard Gamescom referred to as the heart of gaming, but sure, I will trust them on this. I think it is interesting and frankly exciting that they are already so committed to a digital event where the ESA kind of shrugged their shoulders when it had to announce E3 was canceled and kind of said, yeah, you know, digital event, that seems like a cool idea. We'll see. And then a few weeks later said a digital event was not happening. Gamescom could still end up being one of the larger gaming events of the year if it is, in fact, still pushing forward with digital event plans. We still have plenty to learn about Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, so I am sure there will be lots of exciting announcements coming this year, but an August digital Gamescom event might be the only time we see a bunch of announcements consolidated into one time frame this year. I guess we'll find out in a few months. Speaking of events changing due to COVID-19, Oculus Connect is also going digital this year. Oculus made the announcement recently that its annual conference is also going digital. On Oculus's website, it wrote in a blog post, In light of the evolving public health risks related to COVID-19, we've decided to shift Oculus Connect 7 to a digital format later this year. This was a tough decision to make, but we need to prioritize the health and safety of our developer partners, employees, and everyone involved in OC7. Oculus Connect gives us an unprecedented opportunity to connect with our global developer community. OC7 will be no exception, and we look forward to sharing more details about the digital event in the coming months. We remain committed 
to the city of San Jose, where we've hosted Oculus Connect in the past and its community, as we've done for F8, will donate $500,000 and will prioritize organizations serving local San Jose residents. Thanks for your patience and understanding. We're excited to help the VR community come together in a digital format with OC7. I, I like VR games. I recently talked your ear off about Half-Life Alex. Oculus Connect usually brings about interesting announcements, and I think Oculus had a good year. Oculus Quest, which is still my favorite VR headset, and the one I recommend to anyone interested in checking out the platform, seems like it sold really well, as it was hard to find for a while ahead of the release of Half-Life Alex. So I am curious to see if they have any big announcements this year. I think I just want to see more exciting Oculus Quest exclusive games. I say exclusive specifically because I want games that are specifically, again, made with Quest's limitations in mind, as opposed to Oculus Rift games that are ported to Quest. I also want more official Beat Saber music tracks, more varied artists and different musical genres. I want an M83 music pack. I want the album Junk in Beat Saber. That game deserves the rock band treatment of just a big store filled with all kinds of musical options, but it still feels pretty limited today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Cyberpunk 2077 is teasing something in three days on Xbox.com. If you visit xbox.com right now, it looks normal, promoting games like Minecraft Dungeons and Grounded for a moment, but then it will start shifting and changing, and Cyberpunk 2077 UI takes everything over as if it is getting hacked, and it says, return in three days. Brian Shea, my buddy at Game Informer, reported on the quote, hack, and pointed out that if you pause the little animation at the right moment, there is a silhouette of an Xbox One console and an Xbox One controller. And then you couple that with the fact that a listing appeared on Amazon Canada that was later pulled showing a Cyberpunk 2077-themed Xbox One controller. It all leads to an assumption that Microsoft might be releasing a Cyberpunk 2077-themed Xbox One console. It's not the most exciting thing to tease, frankly, but I always liked those game-specific consoles, and I'm always happy to see more exist. I guess we'll find out what this is all about in three days. Ninjala is getting an open public beta later this month. Ninjala is a platformer action multiplayer game that is reminiscent of Splatoon, at least in its approach to visuals. Gameplay-wise, though, it's more about running along walls 
and leaping great distances so you can hit your opponent with a bat. It has been in development for a while, but it is nearing release, and ahead of that release, it will be getting an open beta. The beta is on April 28th and 29th, and will let players try out four of the game's weapons in eight-player competitive matches. All you need to try it out is a Switch and an online connection. Apparently, you won't even need a Nintendo Switch online subscription to play, which is nice. It's a slow week for game releases, so I've only got one right now, but A Fold Apart is out today on PC, Switch, and iOS by way of Apple Arcade. It's a puzzle game about making a long-distance relationship work by solving platforming puzzles based on folding and flipping the environment around as necessary. It's coming to Xbox One and PS4 at some point in the future as well. These games are not out today, but they did recently receive release dates. Streets of Rage 4 will be available on Switch, Xbox One, where it will be part of Game Pass, PlayStation 4, and PC on April 30th. I had a chance to play Streets of Rage 4 at PAX West 2018, and the thing that struck me most about that game was just how freaking amazing it looks. I don't really like classic beat-em-ups as a genre. They kind of feel like a game where you continually punch the air until an enemy walks into your fist, which I don't find super fun, but Streets of Rage 4's animation is incredible. The game looks so slick, so even if you aren't interested in playing, you should still go check out a trailer or something just to see it in action. Also not out today is Star Wars Episode One Racer for Switch and PlayStation 4, but it does have a release date now, after being previously announced as just coming out at some point. The game will be available on May 12th on PlayStation 4 and Switch, and it will come with some improvements. The FMV cutscenes will all be up The controls have been remapped, which was apparently something more complicated than you would assume. Chris Bashar, brand manager at Aspire, the developer porting the game, wrote in a recent PlayStation blog post about the controls. This might sound trivial, but to really feel like you're piloting a pod racer takes a very special touch. The controls that captured the thrill of pod racing in 1999 simply don't feel as natural on the modern controller, but our team was dedicated to creating the ultimate pod racing experience. You can expect controls that feel natural and modern. On PlayStation 4, the game will also have trophies. That's it for gaming news today. I'm still playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, still still really enjoying it. I finished up Chapter 7 today, actually right before recording this episode. I was streaming it, and I'm now hanging out with the flower peddler in her church. Still really enjoying that game, and I think it speaks highly of it that I don't really have any nostalgia for the original. I am just enjoying it on its own merits, of which there are many. I also, somewhat randomly, finished watching Netflix's Castlevania show, and I really enjoyed it. The end of season three is bleak in a way that I really like. I am a big fan of darkest before the dawn type entries in larger stories like Empire Strikes Back or Dark Knight. I like when things end on a downer note and you're just kind of left wondering, how are we coming back from this? And that's definitely how Castlevania's third season ends. It is definitely satisfying and the final action sequence is really fantastic and thrilling, but I am eager to see how the events of the finale affect the characters moving forward, especially Hector. He is in a bad place for sure. 
The show also really makes me want to play a Castlevania game based on that take on the Castlevania story. I think that art style could translate to a great 2D Castlevania game, and playing as either Trevor or Sypha could work as they each have a whole set of really impressive abilities. Plus, there's enough space in that story where I think a game could tell a pretty compelling little side story. Trevor and Sypha clearly spent a lot of off-screen time walking around and beating up monsters, and I would like to see all of that, you know, while holding a controller in my hand. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home. You can also send me an email, kyle at ridehome.info. Please think about leaving a review for the podcast on whatever platform you used to listen to it. And you can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator. I don't know what I'm going to be playing next. I beat Black Mesa. I played a little bit of Final Fantasy VII, but I don't think I'm going to continue with that. I just kind of jumped in the middle. So that email address and the Twitter accounts I just mentioned, send me some suggestions about what I should play because I'm not sure right now. And then you can also find me on the MinMax show for more long-form video game discussion. I will talk to you more about video games on Monday.